0: Audio life. Some years ago, I started calling myself Ginger, Peter, Sherlock, Rosemary, Emmanuel, You're the Archbishop of Canterbury. You may know me better as, as the real Slim Shady. Rumored to be the new signing for Westminster and the Thames. And I just love to ride horses, but only if the banjo union bolt has been corrected. first chapter it is time again for first chapter we read you an excerpt from a different book every sunday morning usually from the exposition Today, I'll be reading from Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice in continuation from today's roundtable on courtship. Jane Austen is a writer who needs no introduction, and the same can be said about Pride and Prejudice. The basic premise of this novel has served as the frame or starting point for numerous films such as You've Got Mail, Bridget Jones's Diary, Twilight, and most recently, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. In the chapter I'll read today, chapter 31, Elizabeth Bennet is seeing Mr. Darcy for the first time since he separated his friend from Liz Bennet's sister. She is resentful of him, but also clearly flirting with him and his cousin and at the same time playing the piano. Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen Chapter 31. Colonel Fitzwilliam's manners were very much admired at the parsonage, and the ladies all felt that he must add considerably to the pleasures of their engagements at Rosings. It was some days, however, before they received any invitation thither, for while there were visitors in the house, they could not be necessary, and it was not until Easter Day, almost a week after the gentleman's arrival, that they were honored by such an attention. And then they were merely asked on leaving church to come there in the evening for the last week they had seen very little of lady catherine or her daughter colonel fitzwilliam had called the parsonage more than once during the time but mr darcy they had seen only at church the invitation was accepted of course and at a proper hour they joined the party in lady catherine's drawing room her ladyship received them civilly, but it was plain that their company was by no means so acceptable as when she could get nobody else. And she was, in fact, most engrossed by her nephews speaking to them, especially to Darcy, much more than to any other person in the room. Colonel Fitzwilliam seemed really glad to see them. Anything was a welcome relief to him at Rosings, and Mrs. Collins's pretty friend had moreover caught his fancy very much. He now seated himself by her and talked so agreeably of Kent and Hertfordshire, of traveling and staying at home, of new books and music, that Elizabeth had never been half so well entertained in that room before. And they conversed with so much spirit and flow as to draw the attention of Lady Catherine herself, as well as of Mr. Darcy. His eyes had been soon and repeatedly turned toward them with a look of curiosity, and that her ladyship, after a while, shared the feeling, was more openly acknowledged, for she did not scruple to call out, "'What is it you're saying, Fitzwilliam? What is it you're talking of? What are you telling Miss Bennet? Let's hear what it is.' "'We're speaking of music, madam,' said he, when no longer able to avoid a reply. "'Of music? Then pray speak aloud.' It is of all subjects my delight. I must have my share in the conversation if you are speaking of music. There are few people in England, I suppose, who have more true enjoyment of music than myself or a better natural taste. If I had ever learned, I should have been a great proficient. And so would Anne, if her health had allowed her to apply. I am confident that she would have performed delightfully. How does Georgiana get on, Darcy? Mr. Darcy spoke with affectionate praise of his sister's proficiency. "'I am very glad to hear such a good account of her,' said Lady Catherine, "'and pray tell her from me that she cannot expect to excel "'if she does not practice a good deal.' "'I assure you, madam,' he replied, "'that she does not need such advice. "'She practices very constantly.' So much the better, it cannot be done too much, and when I next write to her, I shall charge her not to neglect it on any account. I often tell young ladies that no excellence in music is to be acquired without constant practice. I have told Miss Bennett several times that she will never really play well unless she practices more, and though Mrs. Collins has no instrument, she is very welcome, as I have often told her, to come to Rosings every day and play on the pianoforte in Mrs. Jenkins's room. She would be in nobody's way, you know, in that part of the house. Mr. Darcy looked a little ashamed of his aunt's ill-breeding and made no answer. When coffee was over, Colonel Fitzwilliam reminded Elizabeth of having promised to play to him. And she sat down directly to the instrument. He drew a chair near her. Lady Catherine listened to half a song and then talked, as before, to her other nephew till the latter walked away from her and making with his usual deliberation toward the pianoforte stationed himself so as to command a full view of the fair performance countenance Elizabeth saw what he was doing and at the first convenient pause turned to him with an arch smile and said you mean to frighten me Mr. Darcy by coming in all this state to hear me? I will not be alarmed, though your sister does play so well. There is a stubbornness about me that never can be bared to be frightened at the will of others. My courage always rises at every attempt to intimidate me. I shall not say you are mistaken, he replied, because you could not really believe me to entertain any design of alarming you and I have had the pleasure of your acquaintance long enough to know that you find great enjoyment in occasionally professing opinions which, in fact, are not your own. Elizabeth laughed heartily at this picture of herself and said to Colonel Fitzwilliam, Your cousin will give you a very pretty notion of me and teach you not to believe a word I say. I am particularly unlucky in meeting with a person so able to expose my real character in a part of the world where I had hoped to pass myself off with some degree of credit. Indeed, Mr. Darcy, it is very ungenerous in you to mention all that you knew to my disadvantage in Hertfordshire and, give me leave to say, very impolitic too, for it is provoking me to retaliate and such things may come out as will shock your relations to hear. I am not afraid of you, said he smilingly. Let me hear what you have to accuse him of, cried Colonel Fitzwilliam. I should like to know how he behaves among strangers. You shall hear then, but prepare yourself for something very dreadful. The first time of my ever seeing him in Hertfordshire, you must know, was at a ball. And at this ball, what do you think he did? He danced only four dances, though gentlemen were scarce, and to my certain knowledge, more than one young lady was sitting down in want of a partner. "'Mr. Darcy, you cannot deny the fact. "'I had not at the time the honor of knowing any lady "'in the assembly beyond my own party. "'True, and nobody can ever be introduced in a ballroom. "'Well, Colonel Fitzwilliam, what do I play next? "'My fingers await your orders.' "'Perhaps,' said Darcy, "'I should have judged better had I sought an introduction.' "'but I am ill-qualified to recommend myself to strangers.' "'Shall we ask your cousin the reason of this?' said Elizabeth, still addressing Colonel Fitzwilliam. "'Shall we ask him why a man of sense and education "'and who has lived in the world "'is ill-qualified to recommend himself to strangers?' "'I can answer your question,' said Fitzwilliam, "'without applying to him. "'It is because he will not give himself the trouble.' I certainly have not the talent which some people possess, said Darcy, of conversing easily with those I have never seen before. I cannot catch their tone of conversation or appear interested in their concerns, as I often see done. My fingers, said Elizabeth, do not move over this instrument in the masterly manner which I see so many women's do." They have not the same force or rapidity and do not produce the same expression. But then I have always supposed it to be my own fault because I will not take the trouble of practicing. It is not that I do not believe my fingers as capable as any other woman's of superior execution. Darcy smiled and said, You are perfectly right. You have employed your time much better. No one admitted to the privilege of hearing you can think anything wanting. We neither of us perform to strangers. Here they were interrupted by Lady Catherine who called out to know what they were talking of. Elizabeth immediately began playing again. Lady Catherine approached and, after listening for a few minutes, said to Darcy, Miss Bennet would not play at all amiss if she practiced more and could have the advantage of a London master. She has a very good notion of fingering, though her taste is not equal to Anne's. Anne would have been a delightful performer had her health allowed her to learn. Elizabeth looked at Darcy to see how cordially he assented to his cousin's praise. But neither at that moment nor at any other could she discern any symptom of love. And from the whole of his behavior to Miss De Bourgh, she derived this comfort for Miss Bingley that he might have been just as likely to marry her had she been his relation. Lady Catherine continued her remarks on Elizabeth's performance, mixing with them many instructions on execution and taste. Elizabeth received them with all the forbearance of civility and at the request of the gentleman remained at the instrument till her ladyship's carriage was ready to take them all home. Chapter 32 Chapter 32 Elizabeth was sitting by herself the next morning and writing to Jane while Mrs. Collins and Maria were gone on business into the village when she was startled by a ring at the door, the certain signal of a visitor. As she had heard no carriage, she thought it not likely to be Lady Catherine, and under that apprehension was putting away her half-finished letter that she might escape all impertinent questions. When the door opened and to her very great surprise, Mr. Darcy, and Mr. Darcy only, entered the room. He seemed astonished too on finding her alone and apologized for his intrusion by letting her know that he had understood all the ladies to be within. They then sat down and when her inquiries after rosings were made, seemed in danger of sinking into total silence. It was absolutely necessary, therefore, to think of something. And in this emergency, recollecting when she had seen him last in Hertfordshire and feeling curious to know what he would say on the subject of their hasty departure, she observed, How very suddenly you all quitted Netherfield last November, Mr. Darcy. It must have been a most agreeable surprise to Mr. Bingley to see you all after him so soon. "'for if I recollect right, he went but the day before. "'He and his sisters were well, I hope, when you left London. "'Perfectly so. I thank you.' "'She found she was to receive no other answer, "'and after a short pause, added, "'I think I have understood that Mr. Bingley "'has not much idea of ever returning to Netherfield again. "'I have never heard him say so.' but it is probable that he may spend very little of his time there in the future. He has many friends, and he is at a time of life when friends and engagements are continually increasing. If he means to be but little at Netherfield, it would be better for the neighborhood that he should give up the place entirely, for then we might possibly get a settled family there. But perhaps Mr. Bingley did not take the house so much for the convenience of the neighborhood as for his own and we must expect him to keep or quit it on the same principle. I should not be surprised, said Darcy, if he were to give it up as soon as any eligible purchase offers. Elizabeth made no answer. She was afraid of talking longer of his friend and, having nothing else to say, was now determined to leave the trouble of finding a subject to him. He took the hint and soon began with, This seems a very comfortable house. Lady Catherine, I believe, did a great deal to it when Mr. Collins first came to Hunsford. I believe she did, and I am sure she could not have bestowed her kindness on a more grateful object. Mr. Collins appears very fortunate in his choice of a wife. Tracks we played in between were Pride and Prejudice* main theme performed by the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra, followed by When She Loved Me by Sarah McLachlan. Today, I read from Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Copies are available any place where books are sold, and since the book is in public domain, PDFs are available online for free. This week's quote is from Love, Dishonor, Marry, Die, Cherish, Perish, a novel by David Rakoff. Is there some lesson on how to be friends? I think what it means is that central to living, a life that is good, is a life that's forgiving. We're creatures of contact, regardless of whether we kiss or we wound, still we must come together. Though it may spell destruction, we still ask for more, since it beats staying dry, but so lonely on shore. So, we make ourselves open, while knowing full well. It's essentially saying, please, come pierce my shell. Once again, that was from Love, Dishonor, Marry, Die, Cherish, Perish, a novel by David Rakoff. We have arrived at the end of our show. To learn more about next week's topic, please visit our website. I'm Jamie Chang. Have a wonderful week, and I will be back next Sunday at 10 a.m. with another brand new installation of the bookend. Taking us out is Every Time We Say Goodbye by Keith Jarrett.